Welcome to the Good Old Days Radio Show. This is John Tefteller, and we are winding up our big salute to the author and playwright Arch Obler, most known for his horror and uh, kind of strange tales on Lights Out. Um, but we're going to end on a, uh, a different note. As I have said before, I knew Arch Obler a little bit, and he had a really odd, strange sense of humor. And it didn't come out so much on Lights Out, but in some of the other things that he wrote, occasionally it would come out, and it definitely comes out on this. What you're going to hear is a complete one-hour program, the Chase and Sanborn Hour from December 12, 1937. At this point, Arch Obler was in Chicago for most of the time doing Lights Out. It's the Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy Show, also known as the Chase and Sanborn Hour. Their special guest this week was um, Broadway and film comedian Mae West, who made an entire career out of um, being one of the very first female comics to kind of delve into very kind of sexual innuendo and semi-racy themes. The movies were pretty tame by today's standards, but they also had... um, some of the, the the censors watching over them. But Mae West could deliver lines that on paper, uh, if you or I read them, would be quite innocent. But when Mae West read them, the innocence all vanishes. So I guess I will give a little advance warning here that if you have very small children, you probably might want to not have them listen to this one. Um, I haven't heard this in a long time, so I'm not exactly sure how uh, over the top it gets, but it got over the top enough that there were all kinds of uh, letters of complaint filed with uh, NBC Radio and Edgar Bergen and <laughs> the whole the whole crew got themselves in hot water over all of this. And Mae West was actually banned from radio as a result of this. So if you wonder why you don't hear many uh, radio programs with Mae West, it's because she was banned from radio from 1937 until, I guess, the end of radio. Maybe maybe she did something later on in the 50s, I don't know. But there's certainly nothing after this broadcast with Mae West. There are a few earlier radio broadcasts uh, where she does appear on a couple of programs. Um, they did not create the sensation that this particular one did. I'm not sure. There's been varying stories. Um, Edgar Bergen has said in interviews that it was this skit on Adam and Eve. There's two skits that were written by Obler. And the first one on Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, um, people complained it was anti-religious because it's kind of making fun of the whole Adam and Eve story. I remember it being pretty lighthearted and not particularly offensive, but hey, uh, this is... 2023 and not 1937 when the whole world was much more sensitive to those things than they are now. Anyway, and then the second skit uh, with uh, Charlie McCarthy uh, is the one where apparently the the written word on the page comes out quite differently when it comes from Mae West's mouth. So we'll have to see how 
interesting that actually gets. It's a full hour show. I, Arch Obler himself commented on this at a Spurdvac meeting uh, when he appeared before Spurdvac. That's the Society to Preserve and Encourage Radio, Drama, Variety, and Comedy. It's an organization that still exists. Um, and back in the 70s and 80s, they would feature all kinds of guests who had appeared on radio or produce radio shows or whatever, because all those people were still alive then, or many of them were still alive, and they would come and they would tell stories and answer questions from the audience. And Arch Obler appeared, and I know that this was talked about, except I, and I was there, but I can't remember what in the world he said. But anyway, that, that's neither here nor there. If you want to seek out Spurdvac and seek out that particular tape, I'm, I know that it exists. It's in their library somewhere, and you can, you can get it, and you can listen to see what Arch Obler had to say about all this. But anyway, they all got in trouble. Mae West got banned from radio, and so it goes. So, from December 12th, 1937, here's the Chase and Sanborn Hour. Oh, one other thing I should say. Um, Charlie McCarthy is a... <laughs> a dummy, a wooden dummy, for those who don't know, and Edgar Bergen was a ventriloquist. And yes, ventriloquism worked on radio, at least with Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy it did. Uh, seems like a concept that would uh, in no way work, but it does, and you'll find it amusing. So here we go. The makers of Chase and Sanborn coffee, the superb blend you know is fresh, present the Chase and Sanborn Hour, and your host, Don Amici. <laughs> This is the Chase and Sanborn Hour, and this is Don Amici. It certainly is, and you're looking perfectly swell, Don. Oh, thanks, Charlie. What brings on this effusion? Oh, nothing. You know how it is. Only 11 more days till Christmas. Oh, <laughs> I see. Well, with your help, Charlie, suppose we welcome all our friends to another Chase and Sanborn show. Yes, indeed. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Christ welcome. And that comes from Nelson Eddy. Oh, such a marvelous voice. Simply marvelous. I wonder what he's going to give me for Christmas. Hey, Charlie, Charlie. <laughs> greetings, Sue, from Edgar Bergen and my little helper, Charlie McCarthy. Oh, heartiest greetings. I wonder what Bergen will give me. Oh. And a welcome to everybody from Dorothy Lamour. Uh-oh. Now, there's an idea of something to find in your Christmas stocking. Oh. Yeah, you're right, Charlie. And greetings, too, from the Stroud twins. Well, fellas, fellas, I'll get double presents from them. Yeah. Robert Armbruster extends a hearty welcome, and we're all very happy to have as our guest one of the greatest personalities on the screen today, Miss Mae West. May West. That's right, May West. I'm now unsure of it. There is a Santa Claus. We hope you'll enjoy our show, and that throughout the week you'll enjoy Chase and Sanborn coffee. That's great coffee, Chase and Sanborn. Yeah, it certainly is, Charlie. I wonder if Chase and Sanborn are listening, and I wonder what they'll give me. Nelson Eddy sings one of the best love songs in all American music. An old friend that we're always happy to meet. On the road to Mandalay. By the old moon mine, if I go to looking eastward to the sea, there's a bum, a girl, a satin, and I know she thinks of me. For the wind is in the palm trees And the temple bells they sigh Come you back, you British soldier Come you back to Mandalay Come you back to Mandalay 
Marietta was one of Nelson Eddy's most memorable pictures. It was full of beautiful melodies, but one of the songs I enjoyed most is the haunting love song that Nelson sang to the charming Marietta, and he sings it now for us, Neath the Southern Moon. Tell me kindly fortune, tell me if my love shall ever faithful be. My ever-growing passion is returned or lost, forever lost to me. Queen of a heart, you rule, you rule forever. Queen of a heart, whose power shall ever grow. Could it be so? I'll see no further, for it is lost. I cannot, dare not know. 
Maybe it's a benefit for Bergen, huh? I wouldn't put it past you. <laughs> Say, Bergen. Yes, Charlie. Is, is, this, is this a benefit performance? Why, why, why do you ask? Well, never mind that. How much are we getting, Bergen? My dear boy, to entertain an audience, to make people happy, yes. to be of service to my fellow man. Yes, 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 yes. yes. <laughs> that is my foremost thought. It is, huh? Yes. Money is secondary. Is that so? Yes. Uh, how much secondary do you get? No. <laughs> I could use a little secondary. Yeah. I'm trying to explain that there are many things more important than money. Yeah. yeah. Name three. All of them. <laughs> Aren't you ashamed to have such selfish thought as, as this time? Yes. Why, this is you, Ty. Yes. I remember as a lad... That's a lovely story, Edgar, but Charlie wants to know why he doesn't ever get paid. Yeah. Nelson, are you putting mercenary thoughts before ideals? Huh? Uh, yes. Uh, shame on you, Mr. Eddy. What would your daddy say? Uh-oh. I never would have thought it of you, Mr. Eddie. Shame, shame. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. Perhaps yes. I'm wrong. Yeah. I shall go and hang my head in shame. Yes, hang it extra low, too. <laughs> I'll go. Forgive me. Oh, Pa. We, we forgive you. You see how sorry he is? Yes, yes, yes. And now that he's gone, why don't I get any money now? <laughs> well, after all... Why do you need money? Well, I, I have to buy... I have my Christmas shopping to do. I spent what little I had on Skinny Dugan's present. You did? Yeah. I gave him my last penny for his present. Yeah. Well, that was nice. Yes, it was. What did you get him? I, I, I got him a chemical set. Oh, I see. My last penny for it, too. Yes. Well, that's nice. Yes. He's my pal. Yes. The rat? Yes. <laughs> I got him a lot of bottles and, and a book of experiments. Well, that's fine. Yes. Do they work? Yeah, of course they work. I've done eight of them myself already. Yeah. I could have done more, but I ran out of chemicals. Oh. <laughs> well, Charlie, what are you going to give Skinny if you've used all the chemicals? Well, I'll give him the book. The book, yeah. And the bottles. He can get refills if he wants to mess around with it. <laughs> mess around with it. Yes. Chemistry is an interesting, fascinating study. Yes, it is, yes. We owe much to the chemists. Yeah. yeah. I paid cash for the set. No, no. No, I'm speaking of chemistry. Yes. It deals with the composition of matter. What matter? Well, any matter. Oh, it doesn't matter. Oh, yes, it does. <laughs> Charlie, you see, the chemist is the man who takes the compound, divides it into molecules and elements and atoms. Yeah, that's what he does. You come up some time and we'll split an atom. No. <laughs> Please, Charlie, don't be facetious. Much of the world's progress is due to the labor of chemists. Uh-huh. Their perseverance, their patience... I have great respect for them. Uh-huh. Well, thank you. <laughs> we do the best we can. Yes, I <laughs> What experiments have you perfected? Well, I'm working on a secret formula now for cleaning silver. Oh. What does it contain? Well, there you are. You see, it's a secret formula. Oh, I see. You won't tell me. I won't tell anybody. Uh, I don't even know what I dumped in it. Oh, <laughs> Well, don't you have a formula? Well, I know a little, yes. There was a dash of this and that, you know. I took three fingers of sulfuric acid and a jigger of potassium chloride, <laughs> dash of hydrobromic acid, and I took a pony of nitrocellulose, some stuff like that. I can't pronounce it, but I dumped it in anyway. Yes. <laughs> then I put the stuff there in the sink, and I poured it all in, and then I dumped your silverware in it. My silverware? Yeah. In that terrible mixture? Well, you know, Bergen, your silverware was tarnished. Yeah. Is the tarnish gone? Uh, yeah, so is the silverware. <laughs> <laughs> The silverware is gone? Yeah, and so is the sink. It's a sink? <laughs> it was a clean sweep. Yeah. 
What a mixture. Yeah. Well, that's fine. That's fine. You've ruined the silverware in the sink. Yeah, but it won't happen again. We, we have to charge it up the experience, you know. The janitor explained where I made the mistake. Oh, the janitor. Yes, he's a smart man, too, you know. Yeah. He's a chemist. Oh, college man, of course. I guess so, yes, yes. Does he have a chemical engineer degree, or is it a BS? I think it is, yes. Bachelor of <laughs> Bachelor of Science. No, a basement sweeper. Basement sweeper. Yeah. He has a chemical laboratory, too. We fix up down there in the basement. I see. We're working now on a substitute for gasoline. It's very powerful. Is not so. Very powerful. <laughs> One drop in a dog's tail will kill a man. Is that? <laughs> <laughs> it makes a monkey out of dynamite. I'll bet it does. Yes. Well, is this substitute protected now, this gasoline affair? Uh, well, for two things it is, yes. In the first place, it costs three times as much as gasoline, and second place, a car won't run on it. <laughs> Would you care to buy in on a little of this? No, 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 no. You can get it cheap now. Yes, I know. I don't think I'd care for it. You wouldn't like a piece of it? No. Now's the time to get in on the ground floor. Yeah. Before it blows up. <laughs> I have a sample with me. Well, Charlie, I don't think I care to look at it. Oh. Uh, no, and I wish you wouldn't handle it around here. It looks dangerous to me. Uh, it's absolutely safe. I'll give you a demonstration. This is no place for a chemical demonstration. Bergen, there's the right way and the wrong way to handle these things. I know there is. Yes. Now, this is the right way. You see, like this. But some fool is liable to do this, and they'd turn it over. Oh, Bergen. Bergen. Well, where are you, Charlie? I'm up here in the ceiling. Yes, sir. Well, all I can see is a patch up there. Well, that's no patch, that's me. <laughs> and now, a brief word to everyone who enjoys this program. America has gone wild over Charlie McCarthy. Everybody's sending for Charlie's marvelous big likeness that we're giving away free. Day and night, we're mailing out these wonderful presents to homes everywhere. And you love Charlie, too. He's over 20 inches tall, made of strong cardboard, and printed in full color. He sits on your knee, and you can make his mouth move and his eyes roll. And here's how you get him free. Simply mail us four bag fronts, showing the date, from four one-pound bags of Chase and Sanborn dated coffee, and we'll send Charlie promptly and post-paid. This offer will last long enough so that you can buy your dated coffee as you need it, never more than one pound at a time. Then you're sure your coffee's fresh. Never stale and rancid tasting. A blend free from the harmful effects stale coffee may have on your system. For Chase and Sanborn dated coffee is guaranteed fresh by our unique dating and rapid delivery system. It's rushed to your grocer, fresh from roasting, with a delivery date clearly marked on the money-saving dated bag. You can't buy it stale. Try dated coffee. Buy only one pound at a time, and when you save four bag fronts, mail them to us for the big action likeness of Charlie McCarthy. Take down our address. Chase and Sanborn, 420 Lexington Avenue. 420 Lexington Avenue, New York City. Start getting Charlie now. Buy Chase and Sanborn dated coffee from your grocer tomorrow. Remember the old adage that coming events cast their shadows before them. Well, we consider it a real event when Mae West makes one of her rare appearances on the air, so by way of upholding a good old superstition, Dorothy L'Amour does a little shadow casting for us with a title song from Miss West's new major studios picture, Every Day's a Holiday. 
there are Fourth of Julys in both of your eyes and an Easter Sunday too. Cause every day is a holiday since the day that I found you. Each heaven on earth day feels like a birthday, a May Day rendezvous. Cause every day is a holiday since the day that I found you. They ought to hang the flags out, they ought to close the bank. And though it's not November, still I feel like giving thanks. You're a happy new year, a movie premiere. You're a Christmas present too. Cause every day is a holiday since the day that I found you. nice bit of foreshadowing by Dorothy L'Amour, we come to the event itself, which is the presence of Mae West in our company tonight. Miss West has carved such a sizable niche for herself in the Hall of Fame with her unique characterizations that not only is her name known in every home up and down the country, but the phrases and expressions which she has originated have almost become a part of the American language. For us, she forsakes the picture hats and sweeping dresses of the gay 90s, which you find so becoming in a new picture, and turns back time to step into the Garden of Eden and into the character of the most fascinating woman of them all, Eve. Wendell, will you set the scene for us? Well, of course, we find Adam and Eve in the famous Garden of Eden. And this lighthearted travesty about what might have taken place in those days when the world was young was written for us by Arch Ovaler, one of radio's better-known writers. Under a spreading fig tree rests one Mr. Adam, sprawled out lazily in the hot sun. Eve, obviously, is bored beyond endurance as they play a game of cards with a deck of fig leaves. Listen, tall, tan, and tired. It's time I told you a thing or two. Ever since creation, I've done nothing but play in double solitaire. It's disgusting. It's got me down. Well, we've got a nice place here. That's the trouble. It's too nice. Well, I'm not complaining. Mm, but I want something to happen, a little excitement, a little adventure. A girl's got to have a little fun once in a while. There's no future under a fig tree. Oh. <laughs> Now, come on, woman, be like me. 
Well, it's a relaxing. Just take it easy. Because hmm? mm, I'm a lady of big ideas. Yeah, what kind of ideas? Oh. Hmm. You, you've no idea. <laughs> Listen, Adam, I've got to get a chance to expand my personality. Well, go on, expand. <laughs> I will, out there. Out there? You, you mean outside the gates of the Garden of Eden? Now you're talking. Oh, but, but who, who knows what's out there? Mm, I'd find out. Oh, no, no, we, we can't go. We, we've still got a lease on this place. You mean... <laughs> you mean to tell me a lease is the thing that's holding me back from developing my personality? Well, a lease is a lease. Anyway, we've got a nice place here. Temperature perfect, sun always shining, nothing but a heavy dew once in a while. Mm. <laughs> what are you, the Chamber of Commerce? Oh, go away and let me sleep, will you? L listen, Adam. I tell you, you got to get me out of this place. You got to break the lease. Yeah, but what for? This is Eden. Everything is peaceful and quiet and safe. That's the trouble. It's too safe. I tell you, it's disgusting. Well, what are you talking about? Adam, you don't know a thing about women. Oh, you apparently forget you were originally one of my own ribs. Yeah. A rib once, and now I'm beefing. <laughs> Me? I know everything about women. That's covering a lot of territory. <laughs> Listen, long, lazy, and lukewarm. <laughs> you think I want to stay in this place all my life? I do, and I tell you, you're one of my ribs. Yeah, but one of your floating ribs. <laughs> Couple of months of peace and security and a woman's board all the way down to the bottom of a marriage certificate. Well, then what do you want? Trouble? Trouble. Listen, if trouble means something that makes you catch your breath, if trouble means something that makes your blood run through your veins like salsa water. Mmm, Adam, my man, give me trouble. Oh, Eve, you, you, you don't want trouble. Uh, now, tell me the low-down truth. Ain't there any way you can break our lease? Well, yes, there is. But I won't tell you. No? No, this is paradise. Free light, free heat, free meals. What else could a man want? Answer me that. Oh, I got a couple of good ideas if you'll tell me how to break the lease. No, I won't do it. Oh, Adam. What? Come on over here. <laughs> what for, to hold hands? Oh, <laughs> that old game? <laughs> Can't you think of something new? You know, you know nothing about nothing. Oh, yes, I do. I know more than you do, woman. Oh, what, for instance? I know all about the tree. What tree, man? What tree? That apple tree in the middle of the garden. The lease says that if we eat any of its fruit, we get thrown out of here. Oh, now, is that a fact? Sure, that's why there's a fence around it. I tell you, one bite of those apples and we get a dispossess. Hmm, how fascinating. Adam, you can hold my hand now. No. No, I, I got a better idea. Oh, yeah? I'm listening. I'm waiting. Where? What are you going to do now? I think I'll go fishing. Oh. <laughs> How disgusting. Now, wait a minute. You can't talk to me that way. Do you realize I'm man number one? Yeah, but I'm your number one man. <laughs> well, oh, I'll see you around supper time. I'll be back. Oh, so that's the trouble. So it's a tree over there. Hmm. Hello, tree. How would you like to do a little lease breaking for a woman with ideas, hmm? 
Not room enough to squeeze through those slats for a woman of my personality. Now, if I only knew someone skinny enough. Salutations, oh, Mrs. E. Oh, if it isn't Mr. Snake. Hello, long, dark, and slinky. Mm. Mrs. Eve, why are you standing by that tree? Stop wiggling and I'll tell you. <laughs> Listen, I know you don't approve, but I've got a little proposition to make. I certainly refuse to listen. What is it? Do you think uh, with the proper provocation you could squeeze through that fence around the tree? That's the forbidden tree. Oh, don't be technical. Answer me this, my palpitating python. Would you like to have this whole paradise to yourself? Certainly. Okay, then pick me a handful of fruit. Adam and I will eat it. And the Garden of Eden is all yours. What do you say? Sounds all right. But it's forbidden fruit. Listen, what are you, my friend in the grass or a snake in the grass? But forbidden fruit. Are you a snake or are you a mouse? I'll, I'll do it. Mm. Now you're talking. Here, right in between those pickets. I'm, I'm stuck. Oh, shake your hips. There, there, now you're through. I shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, but you're doing all right. Now get me a big one. I feel like doing a big apple. Here you are, Mrs. Eve Mm. Ah, I see Nice going, swivel hips Wait a minute, it won't work Adam will never eat that forbidden apple Oh, yes, he will, when I'm through with it Nonsense, he won't He will, if I feed it to him like women are going to feed men for the rest of time. What's that? Applesauce. Eve, where are you, Eve? Mm, Waiting, my love, just waiting. Uh, Hello, Eve, what have you been doing? Me? Oh, I've just been making a little history. Huh? (laughs) The first woman to make a monkey out of a snake. Say, how about supper? And don't tell me we got fig stew again. Oh, no. Something new, so help me. Something new. Here, have a bite of this. Well, what is it? A new kind of sauce. It's good for you. Uh, are you sure? Mm, just to prove it's pure, 100% proof, I'll have a demi-tasse of it myself. All right, I'll... Oh, well... No, no, wait. Before you eat, answer me this. Are you going to take me out of this dismal dump and give me a chance to develop my personality? Oh, Eve, are you going to start that over again? Mm, no, I'm going to end it. Eat your sauce, big boy, and hold your hat if you've got one. Oh, say, say, this is darn good sauce. Where, where, where did you find it? Oh, oh, my head. Where? Oh, what happened to me? We've been dispossessed. Uh, but, but why? Forbidden apple sauce. Oh, Eve, what have you done? I've just made a little more history, that's all. I'm the first woman to have her own way, and a snake will take the rap for it. But, Eve, we've lost the Garden of Eden. We're, we're, we're just... Eve, it's, it's as if I see you for the first time. You're beautiful. Mm, and you fascinate me. Your eyes. Oh, tell me more. Your, your lips. Come closer. I want to hold you closer. I want to... You want to what? 
Eve, what? What, what, what was that? That was the original kiss. Thank you, Mae West, for that most illuminating glimpse of the lady who was responsible for so much history. The Chase and Sanborn now with Nelson Eddy, Mae West, Edgar Bergen, Charlie McCarthy, Dorothy Lamour, the Stroud Twins, and Robert Armbruster will continue in just a moment. This is Don Amici in the Chase and Sanborn Hour with Robert Armbruster in the orchestra joining me in an up-to-the-minute commentary on that old, old subject of love. It's a long time since Adam and Eve discovered the kiss, but we're still making good use of it, even as the inspiration for our songs. And here's one of the latest. I still love to kiss you goodnight. I still love to kiss you goodnight The thrill of you holding me tight Grows ever sweeter the long years between Since first I kissed you when we were sixteen I still love the touch of your lips I can't get too much of your lips, I know when your hair is snowy white, I'll still love to kiss you delightful. In the past, your vocal renditions have been lilting and melodic, but this time you surpassed yourself. Oh, thanks, Clarence. Well, I see that Clarence Stroud is back in his usual high spirits. You're right, Nelson, and my recovery is due to the fact that I have ceased to worry about Claude. Remember, to be great is to be misunderstood. Well, in that case, Claude is a genius. <laughs> well, Don, some of our greatest writers were considered odd. 
Some of our greatest painters were considered peculiar. Some of our greatest musicians were considered crazy. I'm a genius. <laughs> Move over, Claude. We have something in common. Hey, wait a minute, fellow. Save a little place for Donnie, will you? Well, you gentlemen may jest, but I feel certain that in the years to come, you, Dorothy, and Edgar will all be proud to have known, Claude. Well, that may be true. Well, you never can tell. I'm convinced. Come, Josephine. Napoleon is calling. <laughs> oh, you've got me wrong. I'm not Josephine. <laughs> I'm Cleopatra. <laughs> Get along very nicely together. Yes, they do. <laughs> they must be geniuses, too. Undoubtedly, they are, and they have your interest at heart. Only this morning, they stated that you would be a great success if you entered the business world or took up some profession. That's nice. Personally, I am convinced that you will carve a niche for yourself in the realm of business. Once aroused, you will crash through every obstacle. You will tear down all barriers. You will shake the world. I'm a hurricane. <laughs> Well, potentially you are. The secret of salesmanship may lie within your grasp. Could you sell me something? Could you pay for it? Well, that's neither here nor there. Let us conjure up a theoretical instance. You have become an agent for the latest type of model airplane. This toy has a wing spread of 15 feet. It has a flying radius of three miles. It has... I'll buy one. But you're not buying this toy. You are selling it. Well, I want one. Well, don't fret. I'll get you one for Christmas. Thanks. Uh, nothing at all. To continue, you are conducting a house-to-house -house campaign. A housewife comes to the door. How would you greet her? What would you say? Hello. Well, that's an excellent beginning. Then what would you say? Goodbye. Well, that's a very quick visit. Aren't you going to try to sell her something? She slammed the door in my face. Well, I don't understand. I am merely citing a mythical example. Why do you assume such an action? I asked her if she had any children. Well, that's a perfectly normal question and a sensible approach. You asked her if she had any children. Why then should she slam the door in your face? I forgot to ask her if she was married. <laughs> At times, your perspicacity is astounding. Very well, you clear up the matrimonial point. Then you proceed with your sales talk. Remember, she is a woman. How do you appeal to women? They think I'm cute. Well, their attitude towards you does not concern me. In selling, you appeal to a woman through her children. You say, uh... Madam, take a look at this model airplane. It should please your child. It has a wing spread of 15 feet. A child has a wing spread of 15 feet? No, the woman has a wing spread. The... <laughs> Apparently, salesmanship is not for you. Would you like to be a dentist? Not particularly, no. Well, dentistry is a great profession and does a lot of good for people. You must realize the importance of sound, healthy teeth. I've had one pulled. Were you brave during this operation? Did you retain your composure? Or did you cry out? Did you yell when the dentist extracted your tooth? No, but he did. The dentist yelled? I bit him. Well, you shouldn't have done that, Claude. The man was only making an effort to help you. Was he able to extract the tooth after you bit him? It was gone. You mean the tooth had fallen out? It was in his arm. I bit him hard. Well, the dentist has my sympathy. He has my tooth. Such conduct on your part was inexcusable. Dentists have anesthetics at their command which render their operations painless. Are you allergic to anesthetics? Hmm? Are you opposed to Novocaine? Hubocaine? Do you object to gas? No, you can keep on talking. <laughs> well, I intend to do so. Why did you choose to undergo dental work without anesthesia? Why did you refuse to take it? 
He wouldn't give it to me. Well, that's inconceivable. Did he advance any reason for his refusal? Said he couldn't tell when I was unconscious. <laughs> well, I can understand a certain confusion on his part. However, good teeth are indispensable. If you will build up perfect teeth, you may even be able to crack walnuts. I can crack walnuts. Oh, you... I can crack hickory nuts, too. Well, that's splendid. I congratulate you. How do you crack these nuts? With your canines? With your bicuspids? With your molars? With my heel. <laughs> well, that's no way to crack a nut. It ruins the carpet. It certainly does. I, I can see that we have reached another impasse. You are not qualified to become a dentist. Would you like to become a fireman? Not particularly, no. Well, fire feeding should, it should appeal to every red-blooded man. Picture this scene. You and your fellow firemen are battling a big blaze. Ten streams of water from the left, ten streams of water from the right. Thousands of gallons of water pour in from every side. Are you getting inspired? Getting awfully thirsty. <laughs> well, your point of view is certainly peculiar. I'm a genius. Well, I forgot about that. As a witness of fires, you must know the method of procedure. When a fireman enters a burning home, what is the first thing he does? He hits the piano with an axe. <laughs> well, you have been observant, but suppose there is no piano in the house. Then what does the fireman do? He sulks. You are growing progressively more difficult. In the past, you have shown a tendency to favor opinions expressed by Miss Lemoore. Perhaps she may be able to save the day. Is she a fireman? Well, no, no, hardly. Dorothy, I have been endeavoring to persuade Claude to become a fireman. What do you think of it? Oh, Claude, that would be so romantic. I think you'd look awfully cute in a uniform. Do you, Dotty? Yes, I do. Could you wait here until I get back? Certainly, Claude. Where are you going? Going home to get my Indian suit. <laughs> oh, but I mean a real impressive kind of uniform. You could be a colonel, you could be an admiral, you could even be a general. I could be Santa Claus. Oh, yes, you could. And you'd make a very sweet Santa Claus, too. So would you. Oh, but, Claude, if you're Santa Claus, you can only wear your uniform once a year. What'll you do the rest of the time? Grow a beard. What'll you do? What will I do? You're going to spend a year growing a beard, and you ask me what I'll do. Are you bugs? Are you nutty? Are you crazy? I'm a genius. <laughs> No doubt, swing is the music of the hour. So here's Robert Armbruster and the orchestra with their interpretation of the last word on the subject. Swing is here to sway.
Ladies and gentlemen, at last the long-awaited meeting of Siren Mae West and Casanova Charles McCarthy has arrived. This is the romantic battle of the century. The dramatic moment that millions have been looking forward to. Tension is running high and so are the bets. The odds are Mae West 5, Charlie McCarthy 3. There's some talk that Charlie will weaken. They say no man can resist her. But there are others who feel that Charlie will vanquish the vampire. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Last minute flash. There's been a drop in the odds. Mae West 4, Charlie McCarthy 4 and a half. Let's get a word from the challenger, Charlie McCarthy. What have you, what have you got to say, Charlie? It looks like a tough fight, Mom, but I think I'll win. Why do you say it's a tough fight? Well, my opponent's in great form. <laughs> She's had lots of training. What do you think of your chance of winning? Well, I've had some great fights in the East. What do you think of West? Mighty pretty country. Mighty pretty. <laughs> well, Charlie's never been in better condition. He's a fashion plate with his midnight blue full-dress suit, top hat and monocle, and a blue-white butterfly tie and dress shirt. Yeah, it's PK. PK tie and shirt. Yeah, shot with gravy. <laughs> <laughs> And now a word from the champion, Mae West. We've heard so much about you, Miss West. Won't you say a word? Well, all I've got to say is where there's smoke, there's fire. Wow. <laughs> Boy, she burns me up. There's nothing I'd like better than the aroma of burning wood. I wonder if she means me. You better watch out, Charlie. Say, Charlie, do you smell that perfume? Yeah. Isn't it ravishing? Yes, it is. It's ravishing. It's weakening. So help me, I'm swooning. <laughs> what is it? Why, it's my favorite perfume, Ashes of Men. Uh-oh. <laughs> ashes of Men? Holy smoke. She's not going to make a cinder out of me. <laughs> well, Don, there's, there's been a great deal of talk, but very little action so far. Right you are, Edgar. Miss West, this is the famous Charlie McCarthy. Oh, hello, short, dark, and handsome. Hello, tall, blonde, and terrific. <laughs> Charlie, that's no way to talk to Miss West. You hardly know her. I know it, Bergen. I'm a cad. I hate myself. Oh, uh, listen, Charlie, are these your keys? Oh, thanks, May. Did I leave them in the car? No, you left them in my apartment. Uh oh. <laughs> uh oh. Looks like we're going to have a white Christmas. Oh, jingle down, jingle down. <laughs> Charlie, where did you leave those keys? Where did you leave those keys? I'm telling you. He left them on my dresser. So what? Charlie, why don't you walk out on Bergen? What's holding you? He is. You better tell him, May. If you want to know, he did come up to see me. Oh, he did. And what was he doing up there? Well, Charlie came up and I showed him my etchings. And he showed me his stamp collection. There you have it, Bergen. There you have it. Yes. So that's all there was to us. Just etchings and a stamp collection. <laughs> He's so naive. <laughs> so that's what's the matter with him. Yeah. Come here, honey. Closer so we can talk intimately. Yeah, well, well if you don't mind, I think I'd better keep my distance. Well, made. I don't like long-distance conversations, so come here. I thought you were going to have a nice long talk Tuesday night at my apartment. Where did you go when the doorbell rang? Well, I tried to hide in your clothes closet, but two guys kicked me out. <laughs> so I went out the back door. Don't tell me you went down through the you went out through the French windows. I'm on the third floor, you know. Oh, so that's what it was—the French windows, huh? I was going to say you were pretty skimpy with those back steps. <laughs> oh, you look pretty good to me, Charlie. Come here. But I thought you only liked tall men. Oh, that was my last year's model. This year I'm on a diet. Oh, so that's it. You're on a diet. Yes. Tell me, Miss West, have you ever found the one man in your life that you could really love? Sure, lots of times. Oh, I, 
Could you even like Mr. Bergen? Oh, Mr. Bergen. Well, of course. He's very sweet. In fact, he's the right guy. Confidentially, you'll have to show me a man I don't like. That's well. Bergen's your man. You know, he can be had. On second thought, I'm liable to take him away from you. Then what do you say? Well, if you take Bergen away, I'm speechless. <laughs> you ain't afraid I'll do you wrong. Well, now that you ask, I... Oh, uh... you're afraid I'll do you right. Well, I'm slightly confused. I need time for that one, May. <laughs> That's all right. I like a man what takes his time. <laughs> Why don't you come up home with me now, honey? I'll let you play in my wood pile. Well. <laughs> I'm not feeling very well tonight. I've been so nervous lately. I think I'm going to have a nervous breakdown. Wait, there I go. <laughs> so, good time Charlie's going to play hard to get. Well, you can't kid me. You're afraid of women. Your Casanova stuff is just a front. A false front. It's not so loud, me. Not so loud. All my girlfriends are listening. Oh, yeah, you're all wood in the yard long. Yeah. You weren't so nervous and back that when you came up to see me in my apartment. In fact, you didn't need any encouragement to kiss me. Did I do that? Well, you <laughs> certainly did. I got marks to prove it. Squitters, too. Oh, that's too much. This is too much. <laughs> well, get this. I don't need you. I got all the gentlemen friends I want. Why, I got men for every mood. Men for every day in the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. A good man Friday, asking a good man Saturday. I change my men like I change my clothes. And you, you... Hey, May, you're not walking out on me, are you? I've got a reputation at stake. No man walks out on me. They might carry them out, but they never walk out. <laughs> I'm mad about you. I love you. I've acted like a fool. That wasn't acting. Come here. <laughs> I'll show you how to act. Oh, but May, May, don't be so rough. To me, love is peace and quiet. That ain't love. That's sleep. Oh. <laughs> now, cut it out, May. Cut it out. Help me, May. Omichi, help Eddie. Oh, call on Omichi. Call back and call everybody. I don't need any help. <laughs> short but very important bit of news. Every day, thousands of people are receiving their big free likenesses of Charlie McCarthy. And you'll want Charlie, too, for he's over 20 inches tall, made of heavy cardboard and printed in brilliant color. He sits on your knee and you can move his mouth and eyes. Charlie's an ideal Christmas present for the children. Remember, you'll get Charlie free. Just mail us four bag fronts showing the date from four one-pound bags of Chase and Sanborn dated coffee. This offer will last long enough so that you can buy your dated coffee as you need it. Just one pound at a time. Then you'll know that your coffee is fresh, free from the rancid, bitter taste of stale coffee and the harmful effects it may have on your system. For dated coffee is guaranteed fresh by our dating and rapid delivery system. It's rushed to your grocer, fresh from roasting, with a delivery date clearly marked on the economical dated bag. Start now to enjoy the superb blend, the blend you know is fresh. Buy only one pound at a time, and when you save four bag fronts, mail them to us and we'll send you free the big entertaining likeness of Charlie McCarthy. You'll need our address, so please take it down. Chase and Sanborn, 420 Lexington Avenue. That's 420 Lexington Avenue, New York City. Start now to get this amazing gift all America is enjoying. Buy a pound of Chase and Sanborn dated coffee from your grocer tomorrow. Nelson Eddy sings a grand comedy song from Naughty Marietta, the amusing story of the owl and the bobcat. 
Pluto sang from a sycamore limb to it. A bobcat made some remarks to him that made him mad clean through. The owl said, who are you to sit there criticizing me? I understand you're not the kind of a cat you pretend to be. With just one big meow, meow, and I'm pretty sure the owl knows better to know. He knows better to know. A hoot owl sang from a sycamore limb to wit. Oh, A bobcat made some remarks to him that made him mad clean through. The owl said, why you to sit there criticizing me? I understand you're not the kind of a cat you pretend to be. With just one big meow, meow, and I'm pretty sure the owl knows better than know. just what sort of a miracle it is that takes place when a beautiful melody is born in a composer's brain. Some gateway to the spheres must open so that he may write down what ordinary mortal ears could never hear. Such a melody is the one that Nelson Eddy sings for us now. Rachmaninoff's In the Silence of the Night.
creeping up on us, so once again, it's over. From Mae West, from our regular company, Nelson Eddy, Edgar Bergen, Charlie McCarthy, Dorothy Lamore, the Stroud Twins, and Robert Armbruster. And may I say to all of you who have listened to this broadcast that this hour with you is made possible by your purchases of Chase and Sanborn coffee. Such purchases are the best way of telling us you enjoy our show. to go our separate ways, Robert Armbruster and the orchestra invite us to join them on a dizzy trip through a musical nightmare, Midnight in the Madhouse. for our last visit with you before you open all those Christmas packages. So we'll have a little Christmas spirit to share and Charlie McCarthy will have a rather nice package of his own to open with you. And out of it will come Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, the characters who give voice to Walt Disney's new animated fairy tale. So until then, this is yours sincerely, Don Amici, saying au revoir. This is Wendell Niles speaking for Chase and Sanborn. The Red Network of the National Broadcasting Company. Well, mighty tame by 2023 standards. Interesting. All that controversy over that. Hmm. Okay, well, I'll let you make your own, come to your own conclusions there. I thought it was pretty tame. Um, that is uh, Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy. With Don Amici, Nelson Eddy, <laughs> Nelson Eddy singing, if you like that kind of stuff, Dorothy L'Amour, and Mae West. December 12th, 1937, skits written by Arch Obler, our 
featured person here on the Good Old Days radio show for the past few weeks, and this is our last one for now. We'll have some more Archobler at some point down the line, but that's the last one for now, and we end on a humorous note, which I think he would have found very amusing since he was, <laughs> in real life, quite an amusing guy. All right, this is John Tefteller in the Good Old Days radio show. We'll be back on Thursday, back to the normal weirdness and crazy... Uh, horror science fiction type shows and then back on Tuesday with more other things like drama variety or comedy okay see you then